Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of Two Views Movies Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Two Views Movies Podcast. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are going to talk today about The Shape of Water. This one's getting a lot of buzz. Not just a lot of buzz, it's getting a lot of nominations and it's winning a lot of stuff. I know we haven't quite got to the Oscars yet, but all the other awards that are coming in, it's it's winning a lot. And I know we both checked it out and we've got some thoughts about it. So for those of you that haven't seen it, or maybe you have, it's a movie set in what, 60s, 50s, 60s, Cold War era America. It's about a mute janitor who falls in love with, let's just call it the creature from the Black Lagoon, right? Yep. Okay. It's got uh, directors Guillermo del Toro, who's known for doing Hellboy, Pacific Rim, and Pan's Labyrinth. And who else is in this movie? We've got Michael Shannon. I don't think anybody really knows the main lady. It's kind of like the first time I've seen her in anything, yeah, right? For me as well. Okay. And then Richard Jenkins, who's, I always think of him as the dad from, from Step Brothers. So <laughs> not a bad cast, right? Sure. So yeah, getting a lot of nominations, a lot of awards. What's your initial take on this? I thought I saw the entire movie in the trailer. Really? And so I there is nothing that surprised me in this. I felt it rather slow. I thought from all the buzz that I was getting that there'd be something about this that was different or that was um, going to blow me away or plot line or, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't get any of that. I, you know, I saw the trailer a lot. I felt like as I was seeing other movies and stuff. And for some reason, the CIA angle to this didn't stand out to me from the trailer. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was so focused on the fact that I thought that it kind of looked boring and maybe I was focusing so much on the angle of them trying to be artistic with the janitor falling in love with the creature from the black lagoon that I just overlooked some of the CIA angle. So when I watched this, I was actually kind of surprised at how uh, prevalent the the CIA angle was with the capturing of this monster and trying to learn more about it. And then the, really the cold war angle between the Russians have spies that are trying to figure out what we're doing with this creature. And there's all that kind of wrapped around the romance angle to this that I didn't know or didn't expect that that kind of was a plus for me. See, I expect, I didn't really know, I guess it was CIA and Russian involvement, but I knew that the people that had the creature were experimenting on it and she was freeing it and they were trying to get it back. Yeah. And so it, who those people were, wasn't that big of a reveal for me. Sure. It's the government that found this creature Mm -hmm. or scientists or whatever, but that didn't really add a lot to me. Like the Russian piece of it, the CIA piece of that could have been just any, any given group of people. Sure. And, I don't think it added a lot, but you, I know you liked that angle a Mm -hmm. lot more, but I still thought it was fairly, again, I thought the whole trailer, you know, showed you the whole movie and yeah, they were either going to one, kill the creature. She's going to be sad or they're both going to, you know, swim away together. Yeah. I I had had two choices of what we're going to happen at the end of the movie and it, it did. Yeah. (laughs) I think it definitely went style over substance. I think if you boiled down the plot, it's kind of fairly straightforward. Beauty and the Beast-ish, kind of, in terms of you know them falling in love and trying to essentially escape together with their love, but they're fighting this 
outside force that doesn't want them to be together for whatever reason, whether it's political, espionage, whatever. So I felt like that was pretty straightforward, but it really tried to hone in on the romance aspect and let the rest of it do the talking. But the romance was just all kind of, it was straightforward, even though it was between a mute lady and a creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. It, uh, definitely had a lot of the same style. Have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? I have. Okay. Yeah. It It felt like that. Obviously different setting and very much a different movie. But I think even Pan's Labyrinth had, God, I'm going to date myself here, but almost like a, a Nazi Germany kind of presence. There was a, a commandant or a colonel or something, and maybe it wasn't Nazi Germany. It's been too long since I've seen the movie, but there was some themes there. And definitely visually a very cool movie with Shape of Water. I think it was trying to rely heavily on the visuals. Like I, I really got a kick out of the fifties influence, the way it was kind of uh, the, the music that was being used. I, I liked that creative aspect of it, but outside of that, it was kind of generic. I agree. I, I like that. I guess I'm not a big fan of the, the era, but I think it fit for where this movie is, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, everything seemed to work on, right. on that side. The creature, well, while the makeup and everything was done well, I feel like he has a, same creature that he keeps putting in to the, I mean, <laughs> this Abe from Hellboy, you know, that he's put in a, in a tank again. I haven't know, seen I, Hellboy, but I remember the trailer enough to know that I, I think I remember that. Yeah. That's a fair statement. I think. Yeah. Is it the same guy? And then you get to the, okay, is, <laughs> uh, this is pretty much bestiality when it comes to the scroll. Sure. Sleeping with that's a, like a fairy creature. tale. Well, yeah, but it's like, Okay, it understands sign language. So if you slept with a gorilla that understood sign language, that's still bestiality. Well, right, but I mean, if you're not going to make that same comment about Beauty and the Beast, well, she never actually sleeps with the Beast. We don't know. We that. don't. We don't. There know may that. be some. There <laughs> may be some versions where that happens. So to me, it, it it's supposed to be a modern day twist on a fairy tale. So I didn't really. I, I kind of went into it like that. I just I don't think it needed to go where it went with with all that. Sure, it, it definitely unnecessary. Yeah, it definitely went into the sexual aspects a little bit more than what I thought it would be. Like I think there's a scene where the janitor and Octavia Spencer are actually talking about like how they have sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the whole interesting scene where she fills up her entire room with and, water. And then the whole time in that scene, I was thinking, I was like, okay, that. That wouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> and know? again, it goes back to the fairy tale aspect right. of everything about this movie. And, okay. So I had to bring up this, this one scene where it just totally took away from me from the whole movie was their musical number. Yeah. And so I it, agree. It, it was like, wait, so she's, she's a mute. And then all of a sudden she, she can sing and all of a sudden they're dancing and mm-hmm. their background is like, that has no place in this. And mm-hmm. I felt like now they use that same song throughout the whole movie of, you don't know how much you mean to me type of thing. And I think they should have left it at that mm-hmm. as opposed to having her talk and sing about it and then dancing. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's just weird. It was really jarring. So they cut to a black and white dance scene with like a full blown orchestra behind them and stuff. And it goes on for a couple of minutes and I could see, I think what they were going for, but yeah, it was kind of jarring to me and I kind of laughed. I was like, this doesn't, there's probably a better way you could have, done what you wanted to do that that felt really out of place for me i'm sure some people are going to absolutely love it and think it added to it there's movies that i like where they do that moulin rouge musicals greatest showman right for for that to be the only one in the movie like if that was the movie they kept doing stuff like that okay but there's just one and it's weirdly timed yes it's just in a 
it just like comes out of nowhere and then yeah. it goes away. I know. <laughs> I'm with you because this movie's not a musical. No. So to throw like a full blown musical element into it like that, it just it didn't fit. It's almost like they didn't think the audience was smart enough to pick up on the song. Sure. And so or pick up on uh how much you mean to me that 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 type of thing so it's like well how how else can i bring you into that that story that that song mm-hmm. well let's have her sing it and dance to it right with the creature which yeah. is just weird uh-huh. and so that that took a lot off of my rating on yeah. there is that it's just weird and odd and unnecessary yep i completely agree with you on that one what did you think of michael shannon in the movie I mean, he's he's the same Michael Shannon as he is in in every movie. I I always like him. I always enjoy mm-hmm. his performances. But and I, I thought he did a, a really good job in this. He's the same guy. I mean, he's, yeah, he's he's the villain. He's yeah. I think he always will be the villain. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I thought he was good. And again, I agree with you. Kind of typecast in that role. But I felt like they needed somebody over the top in that role. Like with his whole, you know, Michael Shannon does rage and anger very very well and i think they needed something like that dark and angry to set us otherwise it would have just felt too polished too fake at least with michael shannon you kind of got the impression like there's a scene where he goes over to octavia spencer's house and Mm kind of don't know what he's going to do when he gets there right so there's that's the air of unpredictability that adds a little bit to the movie because you think that oh something might happen here that i'm not expecting because michael shannon's just crazy enough to do something yeah and in his scenes with his family i don't know that it added anything like no. i don't i don't know why those were in there it's like okay you're trying to humanize him but but they didn't right are you trying to make him more evil well they, they didn't um other than i just didn't get yeah. One why, why those were in there. I don't think it added or no anything to the movie. It didn't. I agree with you. I think my take on it would be that they weren't trying to humanize him. They were just trying to show like this dude just kind of wacko both inside and outside of work. And so it added a little bit, but nothing that you couldn't have already gotten from all his other scenes. Yeah. And <laughs> what did you think of him ripping his own finger off? <laughs> both of them, right? Oh, yeah. It was like one yeah. or two fingers. That yeah. was tough to watch. And that, that was not, not ideal. But I mean, I fit, I fit the character, you know. Yeah. And it, was, it showed what he was doing. I liked the people commenting on how his rotted fingers smell. Yeah. And, you know, th- throughout, I was like, I was, uh, I was good with all that. Mm-hmm. And him, I think, just had enough with it and tore him off. Right. So we've both seen, uh, because we like to make each other watch movies out of curiosity, but we've both seen Emily. <laughs> did yes. this give you the same kind of vibe as that? Cause I felt that maybe it's because the main lady kind of resembles Emily from that movie and they both kind of have this fifties era feel to it. Now one's in, I think France and one's in America, but the, the type of music that was being used, like the, there were so many things about this where the, not the story, just like the feel and the setting of the movie reminded me of that. I did not enjoy that movie. It was a, so, oh yeah, setting aside yeah, what you thought yeah. of Emily. No, I I never made the connection in okay. my mind. I, I could see that now that you you bring it up. Um, but no, I did that never. Yeah, k- k- popped in there and saying, <laughs> oh, th- this feels like that. No. Okay, it did to me. I was I was kind of shocked. Um, one of the things I liked about the movie, and actually I don't know, maybe it was maybe it was aside from the CIA angle, the one piece of the movie I liked the best. I liked. Richard Jenkins. I like the dad from Step Brothers. Yeah. I like his relationship with the main character woman. She, you know, he lives next door to her. He's in advertising, but doing painting, but they have this kind of 
friendship that goes back and forth through the whole movie. And I felt like he was a, I felt like he was a really good character. I don't know why I liked him so much in this, but I, I really did. I thought that relationship was pretty cool between the two of them. Yeah. And you kind of got the impression that he was, he's off in the head. Yeah. Um, a little squirrely. And so, and is that why he got fired or because he was drinking and they kind of dropped that in there barely. It was either that or because he was drinking or because he was gay. Well, they they brought the gay thing up later. Yeah. But but, but they brought up, well, have you been drinking? He's like, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't been doing that. I was like, okay, so is it because he's nuts or right. because he was drinking? Because they only brought that up once. Right. And then they did the gay thing towards the end of the movie. Like, okay, I didn't, didn't know he was gay. You know, oh, I thought they were laying that one on pretty thick from the get-go. Oh, I didn't I didn't pick up on that until okay. he was in, in the... Like, I even thought that maybe something had happened between him and his... I think it was maybe his boss, who he keeps meeting with back at the... You know, he keeps showing the advertising designs to. To me, there was something underlying going on in their talks. Well, I thought it was a, okay, you're just behind the times. We're moving on to photographs. You know, so it, it was kind of a pun intended, fish out of water and everything that he was doing. It's like, but I couldn't quite put my finger on what his deal was. Okay. And it's a, did you get fired? Because people don't use paintings anymore. You know, in the advertising, they were moving on to something bigger and better. Right. Or was it because he had a drinking problem because that was brought up or is it because he's kind of crazy anyway, you know, some, does he have dementia? Does he, you know, I I didn't quite understand his character. I liked him because I like him as an actor, but. Right, but I felt maybe I need to see it again to to really grasp what what it was. But it was a uh, it was one of those that I didn't quite understand what they were going for there. Yeah, and it's not something that's overly integral to the plot. But I would say if it leaves us with like a source of confusion, that it's probably not a good thing. Yeah, in, in the pies. So that that made me is like, why does he his whole refrigerator full of one bite pies? Were, right. they, were they all hers, or did he not like them? Also, is he going there just to flirt with the guy? Right. You know, that's it, what I took it as in the end was that he was going there and flirting with the guy. But there was yeah some kind of weird thing going on with the key lime pies. Right? Yeah, so that's why I was down the path of dementia. He's mm-hmm. like, did he not remember that he doesn't like these pies? Or is this he's just crazy, and so he has this thing where he goes and buys pies? Right. You know, I I just didn't I just didn't understand. Sure. So I wanted to jump on to the ending. The ending was pretty good in my opinion. I like how Michael Shannon confronted the creature from the Black Lagoon and the lady was trying to free him and everything. But what did you think about the fact that, you know, he's revealed to actually be a god of sorts? That he could heal himself? Yeah. I mean, and they... And others, I guess. Yes. I don't know. What did that that do anything for you? No. Okay. Nothing, actually. It was just more, okay, that creature could do that. We already yeah. saw that he grew kind of hair, you know, on... Uh, well, he ended up healing... Well, I saw him heal, but then he started talking about hair. So I was expecting hair to continue to grow, which never happened. Right. You know, and, and I was like, I don't remember him having not that much hair right. earlier. as It wasn't dramatic enough <laughs> to realize that he grew hair. Right. So what... So just backing up a little bit, what happened is he actually, the creature from the Black Lagoon, I don't, I wish we could call him something better, but they don't actually give him a name or anything, do they? Sea creature. Sea creature, yeah. yeah. The creature accidentally cuts Richard Jenkins, but then he goes over and heals him and his arm, you know, like you would expect, gets better quickly. Oh, how'd that happen? And and Richard Jenkins, who's obviously a little bit bald, starts to grow hair. So we kind of realize that this creature has some sort of mystical powers because we're not really led to believe through the movie that it's anything other than just a creature. They don't really try to explain it. They just say Michael Shannon captured it from the Amazon. But so we think it's got some healing powers. And then in the end, 
it gets shot, you think it's dead. It, it rises and heals itself. Heals itself. Like that's convenient. Rips Michael Shannon's throat out. Right. Right. Like, okay, that's convenient. It heals himself, and of course he's going to heal her. Right. Because she was shot also in the process. Right. So, so then at the very end, they, the the woman and the creature, try to escape into the river, and she's mute and has always had these scars on each side of her neck. What I didn't understand from the ending, and maybe it's just one of those that's left to interpretation. I, I saw two possible avenues for this. So what happens is she's underwater. You're not sure if she's going to live or she's going to die. How's this all going to play out? Well, then her scars open up to be gills. So you're left with, I thought, two conclusions off this. One is that those were always gills that she didn't know she had. And then somehow when she immersed herself in water for a long enough period, I guess excluding the shower or bathtub scene, <laughs> that they opened up. Or that he, he, as a godlike creature, gave her gills. And they just happened to be where those scars were. What what was your take on that? My take from the first seconds that I saw the scars is like, okay, those are going to be gills mm -hmm. and later in the movie. And I was like, that's, ooh, what a big reveal. Right. I mean, that's, I thought that was pretty lame. Right. You know, because they show it, first introduction to the character, first five minutes, you mm -hmm. see these scars on her neck that look exactly like gills. Mm -hmm. And so she was adopted or whatever. And so are you saying she's part creature anyway? Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I read online was that maybe she was actually, I don't know, this one seemed far-fetched to me. I had read that maybe she was actually a creature and had been adopted by humans but became more human because she'd been adopted. I was like, that mm. that feels like way too much of a stretch for me. Yeah, and yeah, and I just I, I just knew that was going to happen, so I never read anything into the why. I just I assumed that they were always going to be gills. Yeah. Because um, they had unexplained marks on her neck. Sure. It's like... That's okay. the logical conclusion. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> these are, these are going to be gills at some point. Oh, oh, and magically they are. Yeah. You know, and maybe he just opened them up. I don't know. Yeah. And, I think it's, I feel like it's left up to interpretation. I don't feel like there's one solid answer to that. I, I guess I lean, if I had to pick one, I would say he just gave her gills in the end. And it just was a nice thematic or poetic thing for them to be right where her scars were well uh the other piece was something my wife pointed out that i never thought of was the crazy guy was the one telling the story and so he never actually saw what happened and so that was just him assuming that that's what happened under the water wait who was telling the story the uh, stepbrothers oh okay <laughs> yeah he, oh, yeah because he, he, he does the he, voiceover he in the was beginning. narrating the whole movie okay. and he was saying uh, some things you're going to believe or, or whatever he was saying, sure. but that was all from his point of view, him telling the story Sure. in that, you know, well, he didn't know what's going on down there. And so maybe that's just what he, maybe they both died in the water. I don't know. Right. And that kind of goes back to the whole, it's a modern day fairy tale thing where usually there's a narrator once upon a time, blah, sure. blah, blah. And then you end it with, and they lived happily ever after, which do you ever really know if they lived happily ever after? So. Well, at least you know that they left together. He, she, yes. he didn't even know that she was alive, that she brought her back to life. He jumped in the water and they were sure. both dead, or he was, I guess, she was dead. And so right. maybe that's just what he assumed. Right. But the other big problem that I had is why are they waiting for this thing to fill up? Why couldn't they just go four more steps to the ocean? Right. It's the spillway or whatever the, they're trying yeah, to the get. Canal, the canal. They had to yeah. fill up the canal so then they can go into the ocean. I didn't understand. Like, why are you waiting eight days or whatever to do this when you can see the ocean at the end of the canal? Just walk a little bit further down the pier, and they never brought right. that up. I didn't. I never understood that. Right, and this is where my normal answer comes back in. It's because it's a movie. Because it's a movie, and it makes for a date that Michael Shannon can see on the calendar, so that he can then know where they're going to be and go have a 
conflict. And so they can have a week of them together and right. learn to fall in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it's, again, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, you and, I, you and I have had a lot of side conversations about Last Jedi and all the explanations that seem to be coming out about why things were done a certain way. I'm sure if we got Guillermo del Toro in the room and asked him, there would be two, three explanations for why they had to do that and whether we like them or not. Who knows? So it's easier just to chalk it up. To, it, it seemed a little, little lazy. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Of why can't you, again, I can, if they never showed the ocean, oh, this leads miles and miles <laughs> right. to the ocean. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Something, but you can see it. It's right at the end of the canal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just, just go into the ocean. Right. You know, and they already established he's a saltwater creature. Right. And so I, in my home mind's like, why are we waiting for the rains to come? Sure. You know, other than. It could have been done better of she didn't want to take him there. Just give me one more day, one more day. And then maybe stepbrother makes makes her think, okay, but by this day, we have to do it. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. And he puts it on the calendar of, okay, you can stay with him for a week, but on this day, we have to let him go. Right. That would have made a lot more sense in this canal bit. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, that's the kind of movie where I don't try to poke too many holes in the realism because we'd already seen a room fill up with water and we've already seen a bunch of other crazy stuff happen that, you know, if we're not going to obey the laws of physics for yeah. that, let's just, she know, did stick a towel under the door. So, yeah, so that, then, that there, therefore the room can fill with water. Right. So where were you at rating wise? What are your kind of your final thoughts? Uh, and, and I don't know how many of the Academy award nominated movies you've seen, but you know, what do you think about, what are your overall thoughts? What'd you rate it? And I guess in the context of some of the other big awards movies from this year, where, where do you have this one landing? Uh, well, overall I was, I was disappointed again. Cause so I, I saw the trailer. I thought I knew exactly what it was and it looked kind of boring to me. And then I hear all the hype. Uh, it's not what you expect. And you know, it's like, Oh, okay. I think and that so was it, me telling you it, that, that you were one, one source. That I, I that will say, that. I don't think I said, I think I, I was telling you that I think it will be better than what you expected. And I, I, I will say in my defense, I was basing that off of my own opinion of, I didn't, like we said earlier, I didn't expect the CIA angle to be as big as it was. And to me, that helped kind of bolster the story a little bit and keep me a little bit more invested with a little bit of action is probably not the right word for that, but something other than just a romance movie, there was another aspect to it. So I, th I thought that's what you would appreciate about it. But if your expectations were that you already expected some of that. I could see why you kind of didn't have the same shift that I did. Yeah. And, and I came out thinking that's exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was kind of disappointing on that. Uh, again, again, even with the, the Oscar buzz and all that stuff is like, okay, we should see this, you know, maybe it's not, maybe whoever did the trailer sucked, you know? And so, um, I think the trailer represented exactly what, what it was. So I was, I was right middle of the road. I, th I think there's things I liked visually. It was, it was a good movie, but I was right at two and a half. Okay. And then compared to some of the others you've seen nomination wise this year, the big ones, very different. Most of the ones that are nominated are not like this. Sure. Uh, and so it's more difficult. It definitely is, is third or fourth on my list. It's okay. definitely not behind. Picture. Uh, I have to see my list. I know three I, I, billboards behind three billboards behind get out behind Dunkirk Dunkirk. Okay. Uh, so it, it's bottom of the, the pack. Okay. Um, in there. Okay. I was at a three and a half. I enjoyed it. I debated between three and three and a half. I, I think if I watched again, it's one of those movies where sometimes it might strike me as a three. Sometimes it might strike me as a three and a half. It's not really that much of a difference. I, 
I gave a lot of credit for style. I thought the style was very good, very unique. Um, I enjoyed that. Again, I appreciated the CIA angle aspect to it. Uh, and that's not to say I'm I'm somebody who has to have like action or I, that I can't handle a romance movie or a drama in and of itself because there's several of those that I like. I just felt like the core of this movie with the romance and the drama wasn't enough by itself. So I'm glad it had this other aspect to it. I think in terms of the other Oscar movies that I've seen, it's definitely behind Dunkirk, definitely behind Get Out. It's kind of in the same ballpark as Three Billboards and Lady Bird. Those three kind of just get smushed together. I, I could split hairs on the three of them, but it's definitely not in the upper echelon. It's better than The Post, which is the lowest of the low for me right now in terms of those movies. But Yeah, I haven't seen The Post yet, but I like Lady Bird a lot better than, than this one. I liked three billboards a lot better than this one. Yeah. I, they're definitely all three very different movies. Very, so very different movies. I, I say that they're smushed together in terms of my liking of them, but they're very different. So you'd have different reasons why. And again, I think that with all three of those movies, I could probably rewatch them today, like back to back to back and end up with a different ranking. <laughs> but I don't think there's any way for me, um, either of those three would ever surpass get out or Dunkirk. And I don't think they would ever fall below the post. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm forgetting a few of the other movies that I've seen with that, but so far that's where I would stand. So two and a half for you, two and a half, three and a half for me. I think we'd probably say, see it. We're, we're seeing once. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, that does it for episode two of our podcast. Be sure to like us, visit us at twoviewsmovies.com, subscribe, and pass us some comments and feedback if you want us to talk about anything on the show. Thanks for listening. 